Ladies and gentlemen, warning, spoilers ahead. What if I were a story exec at Fox and George Lucas came to me and was like, this is the film I'm directing. And I was like, no, let, let's go through this right now and let's see all the points that work and don't work. And I'm going to rework it right now with you. Good evening and welcome to television. Hello! Hello! Hey! 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 Hello! Hello! I'm Philip Hunting. And I'm Owen Cellini. And welcome to Fred Watch, where we view and review films, everything from the mainstream to the obscure. Philip, we've got a special guest with us today. We have a special guest! Hey, welcome, Ash. Hello, everybody. Hey! <laughs> well, before we get into it, Philip, what have you been watching since our last podcast? I have been watching... Some more Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Ooh, still on the binge. Still on the binge. It's such a good show. It's so well done. It's a cop show that is just such a comedy, but the comedy isn't the fact that it's a cop show, which I think is what makes it brilliant. Oh, pretty clever. Yeah. Okay, well, you're selling me this show. I guess. I have <laughs> gotten around to watching it. I myself have been delving into TV as well. Yes. Binging on How to Get Away with Murdo. Ooh. Yes. As, as might sort of match up. <laughs> it might actually, yeah. Yeah. And Ash, have you been watching anything interesting lately? I've been watching a lot of Taika Waititi's film. He's the one who directed Thor Ragnarok. Oh, yeah. um, he is a comedic genius. There yes. is nothing... There is <laughs> That man could put a camera in front of a frog and come up with beauty. <laughs> wow. Talent. Talent. So, Philip... What are we reviewing today? Today we're doing something a little bit different. Ooh, hello. And we're actually Ooh. reviewing a YouTube series. Oh, doesn't uh, surprise me for we are, <laughs> <laughs> we are reviewing Belated Media's What If the Star Wars Prequels Were Good? Tell us about it, Janet. <laughs> On the 23rd of February, 2012... Michael from YouTube's Belated Media uploaded the first of his three-part series, What If the Star Wars Prequels Were Good? This rewrites the Star Wars prequels to align with the narrator's view of what would have made the movies by George Lucas fit the original trilogy. Wayne. Yes, Philip. (sighs) (laughs) Yes, Philip. What (laughs) What are your thoughts? Look... Your tone is full of judgment. Give me some credit. Okay. I only groaned once during this. (laughs) (laughs) I feel I may be outnumbered. (laughs) Look, just as an overview of what I thought, you know, and I don't know if our listeners know, I'm not a huge fan of fan films, Mm. if you like, Mm. or I don't mind people putting out theories, ideas, even suggesting what they would have done differently. Mm -hmm. So I did come into this with an open mind, no problem at all. In fact, Michael really presents an interesting video essay, if you will, about what he thinks works well Mm -hmm. in the prequels, which, let's face it, isn't really much (laughs) in in terms of his point of view, and what he would do differently. The overall feeling, and probably why you you sensed that I wasn't quite agreeing with him, (laughs) and my main critique of his vision is that essentially he was challenging a series of cliches and overdramatics, which, look, the Star Wars films have, and that's perfectly fine. Hmm. It's a space Mm -hmm. opera after all. It's popcorn entertainment. I love them for it. Mm -hmm. It's an element that's fun. But he's just challenging them with even more intense cliches and overdramatics. Ah, yep. And that's what kind of annoyed me. You're not really 
fixing anything. He's got a really good theory, I think, about the overarching plot and yeah. the storyline and how they link with the original trilogy, which I find quite interesting. He raises a lot of good points, mm. especially if you're coming into the franchise as a first-time viewer. Yes. Which I think is really good. And I think it's something that someone like me who grew up with the original trilogy went back with all of this knowledge when watching the prequels can take that for granted. Yes, yes. Um, so I think, you know, points for him on that one. That's a really good perspective. And that's probably a hard thing to do when you've got all of this knowledge to say, no, I need to put that aside. Yeah, when step outside of the box. Yeah, yeah, when creating my own vision. But again, I just think overall, he's trying to fix something that isn't broken in my point of view. Philip's giving me looks. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different type of argument altogether. Yes, yes. But yes. essentially, he's saying, well, this is what's wrong with it. And what he's putting out there overall really isn't that much better. Yeah, okay. Um, Ash, what did you think? I didn't really like it that much. I don't think there's anything wrong with the prequels as they are. I, um, I don't like the fact that he completely took out certain aspects of the story that needed to be there, yeah. that were part of mainly Anakin's development as a character. Mm. The fact that there's no lava battle. What? Crime. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> no, you can't do that. <laughs> That's, that was the best thing about that movie. <laughs> he jumps over him, he gets his arms and legs cut off. That's flippy, gangster. Flippy, 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 flippy. Yeah. <laughs> That's gangster. It's <laughs> badass, man. Yeah, like, and then he gets up. No, he doesn't get up. So he gets him. The high and ground. he's Darth Vader after that. We, we lose the high ground. Yeah. <laughs> we do. <laughs> So, Philip, you brought this to us. Well, what are so, you thinking? I'm not going to suggest at any point that this is a perfect pitch. Mm. I definitely agree that there's major elements that he's lacking. Mm. And that, yes, there are some major issues with cliches. He's just mm. replacing cliches for cliches. Mm. Yeah. However, if in 1999 I was presented George Lucas's run and this guy's run... I personally would have chosen this guy's run. Okay. Because to me, the prequels are flawed. From a filmmaker's perspective, it is essentially, and it's funny you say that you're not a fan of fan fiction, mm. because I honestly have always felt that George Lucas just simply wrote fan fiction in the prequels. There is an element... He fanned himself. Yeah. I was going to say, there definitely is an element, and Michael does bring this up mm. by, you know, the introduction it's, it's, of C-3PO and maybe yeah. Yoda too early, just to say, oh, see, fans, look, this is what's... Yeah, you exactly. Know, it's foreshadowing, and, and, but it's foreshadowing for the fans. Yes, yeah. that's it. And I think we're starting to see that these days where I constantly hear younger people talk about, oh, Star Wars wasn't that great, and then you hear that they've watched it one, two, three, four, five, six. Of course it's mm. not going to blow your mind. And we're taking out people cutting out people that you know don't watch older movies mm, yeah. okay we watch older movie um, but if you're if you're talking <laughs> oh I meet so many of those people it's not funny I meet a lot of people that don't like black and white that's yeah, yeah, yeah it's just weird there's no space for people like that in our lives gentlemen exactly. <laughs> let's exactly. go back but, but I do see a lot of people that get confused or, or yeah they lose the surprise one of the big elements he talks about is theming and the fact that you lose the surprise mm. I even think the prequels would have just been better simply if he had had the storyline essentially go the exact same way. Yeah. And just cut out the fan service. Yeah. You at least do that, then you've got a story that holds up by itself. And this is the thing. Episode four, 
He literally could have left episode four and that'd be it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Episode five, except for right at the end, where he does set up episode six, sits as a movie by itself. If you'd never seen episode four, episode five is a movie by itself. It's enhanced by seeing episode four. You've introduced to these characters, you know these characters, etc. But it is still something you can see by itself. And same with episode six. You could watch episode six by itself and never see anything else Star Wars. It's tougher, Mm. much tougher by that stage. But we also talk about a trilogy here that has been set up to watch one, two, uh, four, five, six. Yeah. But you could argumentatively watch this thing by itself with no Mm. other references and still pick up what's going on. Yeah. I do not think episode one you can. It, to me, is a boring movie if you don't pick up the references. <laughs> Episode two, you have no hope in watching that movie by itself and follow what's going on. Oh, absolutely. I agree. And I, episode three, I think you could barely. Yeah. I think it's difficult to say that when making the prequels, there was never an intention that they would be served as standalone films. They were always, I think, made to link together. together exactly yeah. what you're saying. And, and, but for me, that's a major flaw mm. because you should be able to enjoy the movie as is. You can enjoy episode seven by itself do not get me wrong still full of fan service yeah but to me it works a bit more when you're moving forward yes because theoretically people will watch one two three four five six seven and get this fan service but even if you watched it by itself it's a little trickier and i have condemned it in the past Mm. because of its fan service Mm -hmm. i sit there and go it's not fan service where you watch it and you go oh that's that thing Rogue One has got lots of, oh, it's that thing, but it doesn't matter if you didn't see the other Mm. Star Wars. I know one of my mates watched Rogue One as their introduction to Star Wars universe. Beautiful introduction. Beautiful introduction. And you can watch it by yourself. And then they'll go on to watch episode four and go, oh, that was that. Oh, there's those two guys. Oh, that's why they made it. But it's just a throwaway line otherwise that you don't need to worry about. Yes. I wonder though if... It's almost the course of contemporary cinema mm. where everything really is about chasing the box office dollar. Yes. And that everything is about franchises. You know, The Hobbit could have been one film. No, yep. had should to be three. Yeah. Mm. So, Ash, overall, what do you think about this whole idea of franchises? And yes, instead of making everything as standalone films, no, no, we need to set things up so you do come back for part two, three, four. I think it's necessary for all the fan service to be there, if I'm being honest. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, like, sorry. No, no, that's all right, that's all right. That's why we've got opinions. (laughs) (laughs) If you're watching it, I don't understand why it has to be such a big reveal. Things have to be revealed to you when you're just learning the story as you go along. As opposed to, what? Oh, no! (laughs) Like, you're learning it. I find that a lot better. So you don't mind necessarily knowing things before the characters do. For example, the reveal of the Darth Vader suit... The Luke and Leia sibling twist. You don't mind knowing that if you're watching it for the yeah, first time. Yeah, I don't mind that because then oh, wow, okay. you can get, you can delve further into how the characters feel about this reveal and not how you feel about the reveal. Okay, so it's no longer just shock value. Yes, it's about storytelling, character development, things like this. But that works if that's what you planned from the beginning. The problem is, 4, 5 and 6 have these reveals and stuff without the knowledge that they were going to have these revelations. 
So, if you were to watch them one, two, three, four, five, six, you go story, 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 shock, shock. And then the shocks don't feel out of place for you if you've watched these other three. There's also bits where they seemed, if you were to watch one, two, and three by themselves, you'd have these things where, you know, you're sitting there going, I'm meant to know something's going on here, but I don't because I haven't seen the other ones. Really? I think so. There's okay. plenty of points I feel where okay. you would feel uncomfortable because you're sitting there going, I know I'm meant to know something, and now I just feel dumb. Okay. See, again, like, I'm watching these prequels with mm. prior knowledge of what mm. is to come, so I guess yeah. I can't distance myself. I do want to suggest, though, that George's vision has always been to start in the middle. Yes, so and this is... in saying that, Yes, there were a series of shocks and reveals and surprises, but maybe he wanted that for the middle section because he intentionally then wanted, when we go back, let's see how it all transpired. That does make it difficult for somebody who does start at one. Yeah. Maybe so you're it should... suggesting that we it, it needs to be watched four, five, six, one, two, three. I don't necessarily know if it needs to be, mm -hmm. but perhaps for the best impact of yeah. it. It could be. Mm. That feels automatically to me counterintuitive as somebody who likes narrative and character yeah, arcs. Yeah, yeah. And I prefer strong narrative and character arcs to, oh, surprise, shock me. Especially mm. for this genre. You know, for a space opera, I don't necessarily need that. Yeah. You know, yeah. if it's a thriller or something different, I'm inclined to think otherwise. Yeah. But, you know, perhaps that was just George's vision all along. And at the end of the day, and this is one of the reasons why I'm always iffy about fan theories and fans mm. putting alternatives, I understand that when something is made, it's embraced by you. The guy in this video brings up the idea that for episode two, we actually don't see Obi-Wan and Anakin showing that they're good friends. And I'd have to agree, there are moments... But it's almost like the writers are going, oh shit, they're meant to be friends. Um, yeah, 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 guys, just remember they're friends. Remember, we've got this little scene here showing that they're friends. Remember that. But they don't act like friends or mentors or anything. They act like a couple of people that have been slammed together and have to work together. Episode three, I think you get a bit more of that. And that makes the final lava battle awesome because it is two brothers, as it were, you know, fighting for... The, the greater morality and each other's souls, but we don't really get that set up in episode two. That's because there's about 10 years of Anakin's life missing from the story. But that where Obi-Wan was being a mentor. See, I, 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 I don't think they're friends. I think that's his mentor. I don't think they're friends at all. Um, I think that, yeah, there is a whole part of Anakin's childhood that is missing from the story where we do see all of that. Now, I, I get what you're trying to say. Like, I get what you're saying, that they should be in the movies, yes. But it's kind of implied, I feel. Yeah, as somebody who hasn't seen the Clone Wars TV series, no, hasn't read the comics or anything, I don't feel I'm missing out on anything in depth between this characterization. Film has the advantage, some may argue disadvantage, to say other texts such as novels in that it needs to do shorthand mm. because mm. it can't yeah. delve into things. Yeah. We see the banter, we see <clears throat> the rapport, we see them going their own separate ways because that helps develop how they're different as well as how they are similar. So I feel like for me it's established enough. If we want to look at the alternative that's presented by Michael in his videos, his version of part two annoys me so much 
that I wanted to break every bit of technology in this room to <coughs> not endure it. Oh, wow. Oh, my. I completely agree, Wayne. Goodness. Thank you, Ash. <laughs> the way he presents. And again, like, he offers some interesting points to part two. I do like the idea of Owen and that yeah, sort of rapport. Yeah. But again, oh, Owen could come up to Anakin. I saw the pod race. Ah, I'm like... Oh my gosh. And one of the other main flaws, and not only for episode two, but I think for all of the three that he presents, mm-hmm. is how watered down Padme is. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll give oh, that. Oh my goodness. What does she do? She's there to, like, nurture and, you know, aid to Anakin. Yeah, all of these yeah, things. yeah, She gets a bit of the action and assertiveness towards the very end. Mm. Like, one thing that... And I know that George Lucas probably isn't the world's greatest writer, mm. but have a look at... Princess Leia. Yes. Episode four. That film alone, you have easily got one of the greatest female characters ever yes, written. Yes, yes. It is in her dialogue and absolutely the performance as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. But for me, Leia in episode four is my favorite character mm. in the whole Star Wars franchise. That woman kicks butt yeah. from morning to night. That's oh, incredible. Yeah. <laughs> you get none of that sense of empowerment of that foreshadowing of the type of woman Leia would become because of genetics from her mother in this version at all. Yes, but I would suggest that this, whilst if, again, if I was given the two options, I'd go Mm. with this guy's option, I would also strongly agree that it needs rewrites. Mm -hmm. Rewrites of the rewrites, ha-ha. Yeah. (laughs) It is a first draft. (laughs) Yes. It is a first draft, a first run from someone that is obviously not a professional writer. Mm. He is a fan fiction guy. I don't think this is a first draft for him. Probably not for him, <laughs> there is, no. The but way it he is... presents it, there is no way that this Fine, is just for a points professional for writer to, if a professional writer was handed that, that would be to them considered a first draft. Mm. That to them would be, right, this has potential, we can work with this. Yeah. And I think there's a lot to work with. There's still the openness in it for a good writer mm. to build Padme yeah. even yeah. further. There is stuff in it to get rid of the cliches and to uh, soften off those edges. Yeah, I think the worst part of this guy's talk, to be honest, and I'm going to actually back you up here, okay. episode th- three... Whilst it gets dark, it needs a lot of battle. No, no, you're right. It needs that. It needs to have. They have built up this tension between Obi Wan and Anakin, Mm. and in the episode three, we have in the world. Mm. It goes lava battle, Senate battle, Mm. and then sort of a little bit at the end to wrap us up. Yes. The idea that he's taken away Yoda's big battle. Yeah. You see, if anything, the fact that he's kept Yoda quiet in episode one, out of it in episode one, revealed in episode two, but still doesn't do anything major. Episode three needs that big battle. Mm, yeah. now, I, his, I know what he's doing. Yoda is this character who is more about thought mm. and feeling. But end of the day, his lore depicts that he will jump in when he needs to. And this is where we should have had the battle in the Senate or the big battle there. This is where we needed a more epic lava battle. Mm. I know what he's trying to say. He's trying to say, no, it should be the emotion that carries it through. But I don't feel Anakin by episode three in this one. And and I know this is sort of backtracking on everything. Ironically, the thing I hate most about Anakin in the prequels is that his character's not developed enough. And I do not believe 
that this whiny bitch of a character <laughs> can then go on to be the awesome Darth Vader. Mm. Funnily enough, he hasn't gone far enough in this either. Yeah, so you don't believe the emo bitch here would yeah, be exactly. God Vader. <laughs> exactly. I think it's more plausible in this sense, in this version. I've never believed the, the whole Padme and Anakin falling in love. Uh, to me, it always found, felt like some Stockholm Syndrome going on. <laughs> but here, it's more believable, but less likely for him to go to the dark side. Because he hasn't lost anything, truly. I don't think it's more believable <coughs> here at all. I mean, the whole, oh, they got married as a twist. That is one of the stupidest things I've ever heard this guy present. That you would save their marriage as a plot twist. Yes. And a big reveal for us. I'd be like, yes. what? Yes, she's sort of you know, put a wet cloth on his forehead in the makeshift hospital. She cares for him. Yes, I get it. They're married. Mm -hmm. I think you need the love story. I think you yeah. need to see that development. Yep. I enjoy that in part two. As I said, his version of part two just annoys me to mm -hmm. no end. There are good elements, absolutely. Yeah. And there are elements in his whole theory. I actually don't mind the slow reveal of Yoda. I think that's quite mm -hmm. good. I also agree with you, Philip and Dash, as well, that that number three needs that big finale. Yeah, I love, it needs more stake. Yeah, I love Yoda's fight. I love his exile yeah. in part three, the mm. way he escapes instead of the sort of more ponderous, you know, meditative exit mm. that Michael presents here. Yeah. Mm. So what you're saying is... It needs a lava battle. It needs a lava battle. It needs a lava battle. I would also <laughs> like to put out, and this is actually something when I watched episode two and three, mm. even watching it for the very first time was pissing me off. Yeah. We go from Darth Maul as the main bad guy, and I know the overarching bad guy is Sidious, but in episode four, five, and six, the overarching bad guy is the Empire. Yes. With Darth Vader and then Vader and Sidious as the face-off. Yep. Here, there is almost no overarching bad guy except the idea of the Sith. Yes. And then Palpatine. And then we have these throwaway bad guys. Mm. Now, Maul to Dooku to Grievous, again... Unless you've done your homework, you don't know who these characters are. You don't know where they fit. You don't know anything. Mm. I would have liked to have seen Darth Maul as the bad guy for the prequels. All three of them. Mm. I'm somebody who hasn't done my homework and, again, has just sees them as they come. Don't mind them because I guess we're used to being introduced to characters. But I do like the way that Michael presents the idea of Darth Maul mm. yeah. going over all three. I don't necessarily agree with the way he presents him here. Yes. But I do like although, that idea. Although I, the really Cyborg Maul. Yeah. I, re I really like that storyline with Darth Maul. And yes. The one that he came mm. up with. I yes. That was absolutely true. Um, yeah. I think Darth Maul in canon, in actual canon now, is actually a cyborg. Okay. So they actually did that in the Disney okay. Clone Wars okay. um, run. And do you think Michael's gotten that? No, that was actually before, I think, yeah. and I could be very wrong here, but I'm pretty sure that was before Darth Maul was revealed. Oh, okay. So, just as a general, so we're, we're at a, at least with you guys, <laughs> consensus, <laughs> consensus that his rewrites, let, let's not worry about George's universe just for the moment. Right. Let's say that in 1999, this is actually the version George Lucas handed in. Yes. What do you think could make this version better? 
That's an interesting hypothetical to put forward because for me, I'm able to critique Michael's vision because mm-hmm. I have something to compare it to. Ah, yes. yep. So I would be critiquing it as a finished product in terms of narrative and plot. The only thing that I know that I would want to change is his use of cliches. Yep. But I can't really go any further than that, I don't ah, think. Okay. Yeah, Ash, what do you think? I pretty much agree with you, Wayne. Like, the, the cliches are so unnecessary, especially at the level that he is putting them forward. Mm. Yeah, it's just cliche mm. after cliche after cliche. But all in all, if this was the version that was brought to me, I'd have to say it's better. You think it's overall I, better? I think it's overall it's better. Okay. It's okay. written better. The characters develop a bit more, mm. and all this and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. like, um, especially what he did with General Grievous. Mm. Yes. Mm. Yes, that that is what needed to happen with General mm. Grievous, mm-hmm. but that's besides the point. There's <laughs> 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 no other, no other yeah. battle. Yeah, um, yeah um, <clears throat> the only thing that I would change, besides the cliches, is there needs to be a lava battle. <laughs> <laughs> so, George Lucas is well known for rewriting his own movies, which also annoys me. Which is, <laughs> has has coined the term Lucasing. Yes. So, my question is then. Now that we're in the mindset of changing things up, what are things in the George Lucas version, and we're not rewriting like this guy, but what are things in the George Lucas version that you might, if given the power, you might change? Now, obviously, Wayne, I know you're actually against changing movies just upright. Yes. But let's just, for an argument's sake, say that you were given the final cut before release. One of the things that I would change, it's something that I agree with Michael, and it's something that I've always felt. Mm -hmm. It's minor, but I think it's significant from my point of view, is at the end of part three, when Luke and Leia are born, Mm -hmm. I like that we see that she's given birth to twins, a boy and a girl. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have her name them. Yeah. That's just one minor detail. Okay. Um, I just, yeah, I didn't feel that naming them was necessary. Yeah. And again... It's treating your audience like idiots. Yeah. We who are familiar with the original trilogy know who they are. Those experiencing for the very first time don't know who they are. Mm. Now, whether they'll figure it out as they go along or they find the, he's my brother, she's my sister type thing as a surprise, I think it just allows more for that. It's a spoon feed that I feel this didn't need. Yeah. Um, That's the first thing that comes to mind more than anything about that. I wouldn't change anything from George Lucas's movies. (laughs) <laughs> if I'm being honest yeah. if I'm being 100% honest yeah. I think they're perfect um, with what you were just saying Wayne I do disagree with you though okay they needed to be named and then separated yes so that you knew who they were and like and then you've got that whole thing of like oh are they gonna get to meet each other oh yeah. what's going on here oh okay. yeah so it kind of again like I was saying before not it doesn't need to be revealed yeah you should be you should be shown it. Yeah. Okay. Because it yeah it develops things a little bit further. Okay. In my opinion. All right. Yeah, it's an interesting point of view. Yeah. Well, Philip, I want to ask you your own question there, but I feel like we'll be here for hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, Are there maybe like a top three things yeah, look, that you would so the, that you would tweak? The main things I'd tweak is, as I said before, I'd put a main bad guy in mm. that we sort of repeat and see. I would really try to revamp or figure out a new way to get Anakin and Padme together. To me, it's just that episode two. It's just a whiny, whingy thing that really gets to me. It doesn't feel like true love it feels like they've been 
slam together and oh oh we we're, we're, we're horny and we're about to die and I will say whatever and it just doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like that if it'd been a sort of thing, then you know they'd say oh I love you, I love you too, just before we're about to be executed. Oh. And afterwards, they have this conversation of, you remember that stuff we said? <laughs> um, so that really doesn't work for me there. Mm-hmm. And finally, I just, I'd tone back on the fans. I still have it there, but like Rogue One, I'd make it gems, not in your face. Yeah. I sense with the prequels, especially within this conversation here, because I hadn't really thought about you know, the differing bad guys in parts one, two, and three, and how we all kind of like the idea of Darth Maul being the Iking one. Yeah. For me, I feel like, look, Lucas knows that he's got a money machine here. Mm. The more villains and the more characters I can pump out, yeah. the more toys the I can toys. sell. Yeah. Now, if that's compromised his original vision, that's compromised his original vision, but at the end of the day, it is his vision. Yeah. Yeah. I just remembered something that I actually would change about the prequels. Ah, yes. Yeah. So, I'm not sure if you guys know this or not, but Jar Jar Binks <laughs> was meant to be the overarching bad guy. Oh. Yes. Uh, critical response, um, yeah. audience response to Jar Jar Binks made that not happen. Yeah. That would have been so interesting. He was, in the first movie, he's playing dumb. He's doing recon work for, I'm not sure who he was running for. Mm. I'd say it was the Sith. Yeah. But um, yeah, that that was his shtick. Was he was just playing dumb. Mm. He wasn't that wow. dumb. I would have kept that storyline in regardless of what everybody else said. Because if you bring out the second movie and Jar Jar Binks is a badass, mm. yeah, that's going to completely flip the score on what yeah, people think. I think so. And actually, I have to agree there because this is interesting. None of us brought up Jar Jar. Yeah. He's my the character I hate the most in Star Wars. Just because, again, Michael touches on the idea, you know, we need more wit and less, you know, stepping in poo jokes. Yeah. That sort of stuff, it just shit me. It was like, hey, uh, it, even it's almost an insult to kids even, because people say, oh, but Jar Jar's for the kids. You, you're treating kids like they're idiots. Mm. And to me, Jar Jar is the Christmas cracker of Star Wars. See, for me, I'm somebody who actually doesn't mind Jar Jar as a character. He serves his purpose. I think he's performed well. He is there for comic humour. Again, yes, he was written for children. Well, it seems like maybe he wasn't, but Mm. he's presented (laughs) for children here. And you know what? What a fascinating outcome that would have been, especially if you're watching Jar Jar as a child in part one, and either by part two or part three, he's flipped... That is an incredible mindfuck. That that mm. would have been a genius that writing. That is as well. oh, yeah, absolutely yeah. incredible. We tend and to prefer that. We tend to forget or gloss over that the Ewoks in Part Six were written for children. They were essentially written for the spin-off of the two films that we got because yeah. of them. And this is why I think the critique of Jar Jar is extraordinarily flawed. This is also a reason why the fans annoy me to no end. Because it was a response to the fans' outcry that Jar Jar was then watered down. And you know what? We've now lost the overarching villain that we all wanted and that Michael presents should have been Darth Maul. Yes. So, Wayne. Yes. With all that. Yes. (laughs) What's your final thoughts and score out of five? Yep. So, I don't really agree with Michael and his vision of reworking the prequels. Has he made them better? No, I don't think so. Has he put good elements in them? Yes. 
could they actually be implemented if we had a magic wand and were to make the prequels different? Yes, but would they have a huge impact or change over them? No, he doesn't present enough good ideas, enough good dialogue or plot arcs to really justify a reworking of them. Essentially, and if you look closely enough, his version of episodes two and three just tend to be remakes of episodes five and six. That's not the type of foreshadowing and throwback or anything like that that I want to see. I think that's lazy writing, to be honest. Yes, George Lucas probably isn't the most perfect person, but at the end of the day, this is his franchise. He created it how he wanted it for whatever his reasons. He's had this vision since before any of us were born. It's his baby to develop. In saying that, Michael presents his argument extraordinarily well. And as a critique of a film franchise, he's done a really good job. Rambles a bit too much for me, but again, the argument is presented well. I think his video essay, as I like to call it, is a solid work. So I'll give it three and a half. Ash, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I thought he presented it really well, like you were saying. Um, He did make some very good points, but overall, I didn't feel anything from the second video onwards. He just kind of lost me. He went a little bit too far with the changes um, to the point that I felt like some of it wasn't even Star Wars anymore. Mm. So based on that, I will give it a (laughs) 1.5. Well, end of the day, I still quite enjoyed his take on it. Yes, I think there's a lot of work to go in it. Yes, I think if it were to be something that were made, it would need professional writers come in and clean up a lot of the mess that's in it. However, after saying that, I think the basic of his ideas would today, had it been done in 1999, have stood the test of time better than the Star Wars that we got. And I do think there would be less people sitting around microphones going, oh, well, the, you know, the prequels <laughs> are crap. It would be something that, okay, wouldn't stand up to the trilogy But it would definitely do the trilogy proud, whereas a lot of nerds, people, feel that what we got didn't. So for me, it's a four out of five. Wayne! Philip! What have we got next time? Well, Philip, we're cleansing our palate and I'm presenting an Australian film next time. Oh, nice. Okay. I think you're going to find it quite interesting. I absolutely love this film. I found it by accident one night watching late night television and think it's a remarkable story, a domestic setting, which I love my domestic dramas, and I hope you'll like it too. It's called The Black Balloon. Ooh. Mm. Sounds very interesting. Yeah, it's a great Mm. domestic drama, and I think one that also champions the role of the mother in a domestic setting. Beautiful. Well, I can't wait to see that. Yeah. Well, with that all in the bag... I've been a Philip Hunting. I've been a Wayne Stellini. And I've been an Ashley Hall. And, and you've, you've just experienced Fred Watch. Cue music. Da, 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 the Star Wars. Da, 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 da. No! <laughs> <laughs> and scene.